I want to encourage you to turn with me to the book of Genesis, actually. I want to, I want to talk a little bit about the history of Christmas. You see, in our culture, Christmas is all about the giving of gifts. I think that's a big part of it. Uh, you know, Christmas trees, an uh, overweight guy with a red suit, he, he makes that. Uh, winter snowflakes, thankfully, we live in Phoenix, we don't have to deal with that part of it. But, but those will all become pieces that are a part of Christmas. And, and for most, there is this understanding, yeah, this baby is born and, and all, but that's about as far as the story goes. And of course, the reason of Christmas is so much deeper. In fact, it's put by the angel. We're told what Christmas is all about in Matthew 1. The angel tells Joseph, she will bear a son. You will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And in that, we have the reason why Christmas had to come. But... Man, there's a backstory here. There's a backstory that's incredible because we think of Christmas, we think of this holiday time, time with family, all this. Do you know that Christmas is really born out of the idea of judgment? Yeah. It's what we find in Genesis. So let's go back. Let's read it. Genesis chapter 3. We're going to start with verse 14. And of course, as we read, we want to remind you of the story. Uh, God has created all things. He put Adam and Eve, uh, they're living there in wonderful bliss. Everything's going great, man. They're on their honeymoon. Life is good. He's put them in a garden. All they could want is there. What he told them is you can eat it all except one tree. It's the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat that. Satan shows up in the form of a serpent and he tempts them. Ah, God's holding out on you. He knows if you were to eat of this particular tree that you would be like him they rebel now what's interesting is life all of a sudden gets real complicated for them right because sin has consequences it always does so number one uh, they realize they're naked there had been no sense of guilt or shame with that. There is now. So they are in the forest trying to find fig leaves to put together to cover strategic parts of their body, right? You can only imagine what kind of rash, okay, right? Um, they, uh, they now are having issues with themselves because, you know, this didn't work out the way they thought. And so whose fault is it? Is it? In fact, when the Lord God shows up, you know, it's Adam. It's, it's, you know, pointing at her. She's pointing back at him and pointing at the serpent. And beyond all that, they had, you know, the best part of their day was when the Lord God would come and talk to them, and now they're hiding. So all this personal mess, but that's not the real problem. The real problem is going to come with the judgment. So let's pick it up. Verse 14. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go and dust you will eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. 
To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you will bring forth children, yet your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Then to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten the of the tree of which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat from it, curses the ground because of you. In toil you eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return." Now the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And now he might stretch out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the Garden of Eden to cultivate the land from which he was taken. So he drove the man out, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he stationed the cherubim and the flaming sword, which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. Judgment. You see, judgment comes because of sin. We love to think about God and the fact that God is a God of love, and he is. And we love to talk about God being a God of mercy, because he is. And that works well for us. Our God's a God of loving kindness. And we love to talk about that. But we don't like to really stop and think, well, but God is also a God of justice. He is a God of holiness. He's a God of righteousness. He's a God of truth. And because of that, our God is a God where sin has to be punished. In Exodus, it quotes God saying, you know, the soul that sinneth, it must surely die. Why? Because just as much as God is love and just as much as he is, is a God of mercy, he is also just. He is holy. And so now that which is perfect cannot fellowship with that which is imperfect. There has to be consequence. There has to be justice is meted out and so now he begins to lay out the judgment the justice to try to deal with the sin that has happened so he looks at the serpent and what's interesting in each of these pieces really go to the core the core of these individuals so you think about satan uh, we read in Isaiah chapter 14 that he was a powerful angel. In fact, so powerful, he wanted to be like God. He wanted to be worshipped like God. He wanted to be seated on the mountain of God. And isn't it interesting that the judgment of the serpent is, because you have done this, Cursed are you more than all the cattle, more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go. You won't be lifted up. You won't be looked at as anything great. In fact, it's on your belly you will go. And oh, by the way, one day you're going to be destroyed. See, the way you kill a serpent is you crush its head. And that's exactly what's going to happen. Oh yeah, you'll strike his heel. You, you'll be able to inflict pain. You'll, you'll be able to make a mess. But ultimately, your head will be crushed. And then he looks at the woman. 
And of course, we, we see here in verse 21, her name is Eve. Why? Because, or verse 20, because she's the mother of all things. So, oh, by the way, so here's the curse for you. It is going to be in pain that you bring forth children. Now, we have a, mother, a number of mothers here. Can I ask you, is that still part of the plan, right? It is, isn't it? It's in pain. It's in pain that you bring them forth. But it's not only in pain that you bring them forth, it's in pain that you raise them. Right? Because think about it. Before that, they would have been perfect, just like my grandkids. Right? They, uh, they would have had no sin. So they would, have, they would have never have talked back. They never would have been selfish. It would have never been mine, mine. They would have never told a lie. They would have never gotten into a fight. Isn't that what you deal with every day, moms? And the pain that that causes, and you think about Eve, because you get to chapter 4, and her firstborn son is going to kill her secondborn son. And the pain in her heart of losing him, but not only that, think of the mixed emotions towards her firstborn, mad at him for what he's done, but so fearful that she too is going to lose him. Pain. It's a fallen world. And oh, by the way, your desire is going to be for your husband. That's an interesting verse. And you... Uh, best I think the best understanding is kind of look at how that word is used by Moses in this passage he he uses it again in chapter 4 verse 7 talking to Cain that sin is has a desire for you it's trying to master and 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 so what gets blown up here is this marriage relationship where you remember what the man is called to do is to cleave to his wife wouldn't life be good if wives if if all your husband did would just cleave to you that you were the the heart of everything they did and and to be a part but now your your desire is going to be to try to 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 dominate but what he's going to do is he's going to rule and we have thousands and thousands of years of world history in most societies where men dominate. And it all comes back. Blame Eve. It's part of the judgment. And then you have Adam. Adam. You know the word Adam means man of the earth, right? It's where it comes from. In fact, literally, it's man of clay. And Adam is, is given at, at, at all of this, this world to subdue and to rule. And, and it was going to produce and it was going to just bring everything he wanted. And if he took care of it, it would just be abundance. But now all of a sudden it's going to be cursed. It's with toil. By the way, that Hebrew word is often translated pain. It's with pain that you're going to have to deal with this. And it's going to take hard work, the sweat of your brow to even get bread. You know, men who find so much of their, their sense of worth and their sense of being in their work. And oh, by the way, it's, it's just, it's always going to be a pain. It's always going to be a toil. It's always going to be, is it worth it? I mean, you think of Solomon later, who was that great builder. And he looks at all the, he says, I look at the work of my hands and it's nothing. It's the chasing after the wind. It's all vanity. It goes back to this judgment piece. It goes back to this judgment piece. But there's something that's far worse that happens here as part of the judgment. 
It's actually found in verses 22, 23, and 24, and that's this. They're kicked out of the garden. The Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He might now stretch out his hand and take from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden. Verse 24, so he drove man out. Folks, this, this is the worst part. You talk about going to the core of who we are. We were made to be the image bearers of our God. We were made to know him and then to reflect him to one another. Our whole sense of who we are is found in this relationship that we have with our God and knowing him and, and living him and sharing him. And, and now we're driven from his presence because God is holy and we're not. God is righteous, and we're not. And now this relationship is broken. We looked at it a few weeks ago. Pascal put it like this, that within all of us, there's a God-shaped vacuum because of this judgment that nothing created can ever fill. There's a brokenness in our heart. There's a brokenness in our life. Now, judgment, that's the backstory. And what's absolutely incredible as you look at this though in the midst of the judgment what we see is we see grace we see hope and, and that's Jesus that that takes us back to Matthew 1 she shall bear a son and you will call his name Jesus why for he will save his people from their sin this sense of grace this sense of provision this sense of hope we even see in the midst of the judgment it's there God has a plan God in God's grace is just that which we don't deserve what we deserve is the judgment what we deserve is the punishment but God has this sense of grace even in the midst of it when he starts talking about the seed of the woman the seed of the woman, Satan, is going to crush your head. What's interesting is when you think of seed, it's a plural idea, right? The seed, it's all out there. But what's interesting here is you'll notice and between verse 15, between your seed and her seed and he, it's a singular and that actually goes all the way back to about 250 B.C. when they translated the Hebrew scriptures in, into the Greek and the Septuagint. Already they, they understood God was going to send a Messiah, a Savior, who was going to come. And he was going to bring, he was going to fix this problem, this sense of judgment, this brokenness that we have, God was going to fix. And you see it all the way back here in the book of Genesis, in the very garden itself, God is providing and has a plan. And what we even begin to see here is that the plan has this idea of the virgin birth. He talks about the seed of the woman. What's interesting to me anyway is in scripture, the seed is always talked about being in the man. It's the seed of Abraham. Paul talks about it's the seed in Romans chapter 5. It's the seed of Adam. And because we are in Adam, we all have this sin nature. We were all guilty before God. It's all because of that. It's always through the man, but not here. Why? 
Because God knew that in sending a savior, he couldn't be represented by Adam. He couldn't have that, that sin nature passed down, that God was gonna have to do something unique here, something special. And so he talks about the seed of the woman. It's the only place. And then, of course, he picks it up again in Isaiah. In Isaiah, Isaiah's writing, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child, will bear a son. You will call his name Emmanuel. That's exactly what the New Testament writers pick up about Jesus. They quote it, Matthew 1. Now, all of this took place to fulfill what God had spoken through the prophet, who's Isaiah. Behold, a virgin shall be with child, shall bear a son. They call his name Emmanuel. Why? Why? Well, because he had to be free from the curse, the judgment that came upon Adam. And so it is the seed of the woman. And so what God is going to do, and of course the question becomes with Mary, the angel shows up, hey, you're going to you know, give birth to a son, and her whole question is, well, how can that happen? I've never known a man. I, how can I get pregnant? It's not possible. And in Luke 1, 35, the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the hope most high will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy offspring will become the son of God. You see, it is the seed of the woman. He's going to crush the head of the serpent. He's going to take care of the judgment. He's going to fix this. And so what we read in Scripture in Matthew 21, or Matthew 1, is that he is found with child by the Holy Spirit. Now, Mary, just like any other woman, had, what, the 23 chromosomes that it took. But we need the other 23. Where did they come from? They came from the Holy Spirit. And what they created was the humanity of Christ. Now, you see, a lot of people think, well, the Holy Spirit, what he did was he brought the deity part, and what Mary had was the humanity, and that's what made Jesus. Can I just remind you that that is really bad theology? Because what Scripture tells us is that Jesus being deity has always been. Jesus has always existed. He was not created he has always been. He is from everlasting to everlasting. So his deity has always existed. What didn't exist was the humanity, the body, the, 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 the human nature. And so what the Holy Spirit brought in creating that within Mary was the humanity of Christ. And now his deity and his humanity are tied into this perfect God-man. That's exactly what John tells us. You remember John's starts his book it in the beginning was the word the word was with God the word was God deity in verse 14 now and the word became flesh humanity and dwelt among us we beheld his glory and so Jesus Jesus is the one who now fully God fully man is bored as the seed of the woman without a sin nature he is the next 
Adam, the second Adam, and now he does what Adam did not do. He chooses to obey God. He chooses not to rebel, even though there were many opportunities for him to have sinned and to have turned from what the Father had asked him to do, but he walked in obedience. And now, as that perfect son of God, he is going to provide for our sins being taken care of. He's going to provide for the judgment that was already laid upon us. He is going to now step into our place. And so in the midst of all of this grace, what God is providing is freedom from judgment. Why? Matthew 1. She shall bear a son. You will call his name Jesus. He will save us from our sin. That's why Jesus came. In fact, Jesus told us this. You know, so often, you know, today in our culture, well, Jesus was all about, you know, loving others. Yeah, he was, but that wasn't the reason he came. Jesus was all about, you know, treating people fairly. Yeah, he was, but that's not why he came. Why did he came? To save us from our sin. Jesus said in Luke chapter 19, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. John chapter 3, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's why he came. In fact, the next verse is really, really good. John 3, 17. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world. You know why? The world's already judged. We're living in it. But that the world through him might be saved. That's why Jesus came. That's why he was born of the seed of the woman. And so now, as the second Adam, choosing to obey God, choosing to, to follow in righteousness, now as that perfect Lamb of God, he goes to the cross and he dies for you and for me. He takes our sin upon himself. He is the one. In fact, you want to look at the picture. Look at verse 21 here in Genesis 3. The Lord God made a garment of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Okay, so there they are in their guilt and their shame. God's going to provide a covering for them. What does he do? Best we understand is he first death in the Bible. He killed an animal. We don't know if it was a sheep. We don't know if it, you know, whatever it was. He kills it. Takes the, the skin and he makes a covering for them so that their guilt, their shame could be covered. Jesus now is going to come and he will die in our place. Just like that animal died for them to cover their guilt, Jesus is going to come and die for us. He's going to pay our penalty. Not so that our sin will be covered, but so that it will be taken away, forgiven. This is exactly what Isaiah says in Isaiah 53. He was pierced through for our transgressions. He's crushed for our iniquity. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him and with his stripes were healed can I give you just one more because I, I just I love how the story comes together so Jeremiah Jeremiah in chapter 31 promises that one day God is going to establish a new covenant with people with Israel and with all people 
And in that covenant, the promise is, is that God will forgive our sin. Uh, it's Jeremiah 31, 34. They will not teach again, each man his neighbor and each man his brother, say, know the Lord, for they'll all know me, from the least to the greatest. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Now, Jesus has his disciples in the upper room the night before he goes to the cross, right? They're having the Passover meal. And in the Passover meal, there are four glasses of wine that they take and they drink from. On the third one is the one we think that Jesus takes it. Do you remember what he said? This cup is the new covenant in my blood. What's the new covenant? That I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. So Jesus came to save us from our sin. So he goes to the cross. He's beaten. The crown of thorns placed upon his head. He's nailed to a cross. He pays the penalty for our sin so that we can be forgiven. We can be made holy. We can now have a relationship with our God, alignment with our soul and our purpose of being an image bearer of his. That's exactly why Jesus came, folks. That's the heart of Christmas. It was born out of judgment, but even in the judgment there was grace. And out of that grace comes one who would restore all that was lost we can now be forgiven. We can now have a relationship with God. You see, that's the thing about Jesus. You know, we talk about religion. Jesus isn't a religion. We talk about philosophy. Jesus isn't a philosophy. Jesus is a person. He is the son of God who came, was born, lived a perfect life, and died for you. That if you put your faith and trust in him, Man, he'll forgive your sin. He'll give you a right relationship with his father. He'll make you his own. That's his promise. That is the story of Christmas. That's what Joseph was told by the angel. She shall bear a son. You will call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sin. So my question, do you know him today? Have you come to have that personal relationship with him?